Hi everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. As winter descends upon us, season five of Style Stories aims to echo nature's cycle to stop, adapt and recover by highlighting stories of rebuilding, re-strengthening and reinvention after a period of struggle or turmoil. In a time of coldness, season five aims to warm your ears and hearts and help shed some light onto your style and your story. In today's episode, which is partly being recorded in my closet during the current Sydney lockdown, I'm chatting with Alana Taranto, fashion designer and founder of sustainable brand Self Studios. Alana may have cut her teeth in the industry, working for ethically esteemed Australian brands like Lee Matthews and Basic, but making good choices and doing the right thing is a style that threads through all Alana does, including her designs. Her brand aesthetic reflects the ease of her Mediterranean heritage while celebrating an earnest modesty and understated elegance that tribute her family's values. And as Self Studios grows and Alana's confidence develops, it's her humble, hardworking maturity that have come to define her style and her sense of self. I've celebrated the simple quality of Self Studios by keeping Alana in a shirt and skirt of her own design, but dabbled with a little detail by adding some vintage jewellery for my collection. I hope you can sit back, relax and enjoy listening to Alana's story. Oh, good. Um, I, I know, we're going to talk about your beautiful fashion label, yeah. um, but we're going to talk about you a little bit to before we get there. Um, and I know that your label, you kind of you you pride yourself on um, slowing down the fashion cycle, yeah. and there's a strong ethic to kind of how you are producing clothes. Yeah. Before we get into that, I kind of just want to know, as a child, was doing the right thing? Because you, you're obviously taking pride in doing the right thing. Was was that who you were as a oh kid? Oh, my God. I've never <laughs> thought about it like that. But, yes, I was always doing the right thing. I always, yeah, like always followed the rules, always scared to break the rules. Like, yeah, now that you point that out. That's totally it. That's, and yeah, were you were you the type of kid that liked to like please everyone around you? Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. So tell me about that. Like, what did your family look like? Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. What did you like? Just paint a picture of. Got mum and dad, and I've got an older brother. Yeah, and then there's me. Always had a dog in the family as well. Um, yeah, we grew up pretty like. Normal childhood, um, based on the northern beaches. Went to school, like did did everything. We um, participated in sports growing up, and yeah, like I just feel like now that you've said that, I was always the the good child, so <laughs> to say. You know, my brother was probably more the challenging one, but yeah, yeah, I always did everything right. Followed my parents' examples, and. Yeah. What kind of examples did they set for you? What was important to them value-wise growing up? Good values, a lot of respect. Um, you know, that's like whether it's family things, you know, always to be with the family, um, to do well in school, you know, to work hard. Um, we all had jobs when we were young, like, you know, from 14. So we all uh, worked hard for what we got. Um, 
other than that, you know, we went to mass on the weekends. Like it was that real kind of traditional tight family unit and like, yeah, it was probably – I always always woke up and did what my parents, you know, what they not wanted us to do but it's what I wanted to do as well, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. And your, your big brother, was he naughty or just more <laughs> disruptive than you? <laughs> he was just more of, I'd say – a challenge. <laughs> yeah. He's a good kid, don't get me wrong. He was yeah. just a challenging one, you know. Yeah. He always wanted to like sleep in when we're all up early. Like it was always like, come on, we've got to go to Mass Phil. Okay, we've got to get up. Like, you know, or he'll get there when he gets there. Like, yeah, where I'm always like up and ready. Okay, we're going to go. Like, yeah. got my bow and in my hair and off we go. Like, Do you think that you – because I, I even see this with my children sometimes that it's almost like good cop for bad cop. Yeah. That if one of them is naughty, then the other one has to be good. Do you think that – as a little person, you might have, like, found yourself, like, being good because he was not as <laughs> easy. <laughs> I don't know if that's the reason. I don't know. Um, I think it's just in my nature to always do good and always do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, we, um, you're an Italian background. Italian, yes. And how did that kind of influence how your house felt and how you grew up in terms of cultural <laughs> yeah, influences? Yeah, we've got a very warm home, a very um, – a big family, a lot of love, a mm. lot of family occasions. Um, every birthday there was a cake, the family was over. Like there was mm. kind of a lot of traditions like that. Did Mass, Easter, um, Christmas. Like there was always um, anniversaries. We're always all together. Anytime we could be together, we were together. So mm. it's it's been beautiful growing up close to my cousins and – and and, and and most of your family are here. Majority are here. Like so we've got like family still in Italy, um, which we've gone back and seen a couple of times, which has been nice. But majority of the family is here, yeah. And we're in Italy. Is um, so from? we're from the Aeolian Islands. Okay. So off the Sicily, there's like seven islands and um, my grandparents are from a variation of those islands. Yeah. Yeah. And so is it's a it, beautiful part. Yeah. It, I'm also from an island in Greece. Right. And like my, I'm third generation Australian. Yeah. But I know that those kind of cultural influences can resonate quite like significantly still even yeah. once um, you're assimilated into the 100%. Australian culture. Yeah. What are those like really lovely pieces that your family's held on to that kind of uh, kind of signifiers of, of where you're from? I think it have a lot to do with the cooking. Yeah. I think it have a lot to do with some of the processes like oh, – I don't know, maybe it's a bit common for all of it, but, you know, like drying out certain fruits or, or there's certain fruits that are, like, traditional to our culture and my nonna always grew the tree and my parents would go and cut the, like, cut the fruits and peel them. Like, it was probably a lot to do with the food and the type of style of cooking they did. And, um, and yeah, it was just... It's, the islands are a different part of Italy. It's, mm. it's a very slower, it's very old school, it's still got camels, you know, it's only recently just gotten TVs, you know. Like it's that you walk back in time when you go there and mm. I feel like there's not many places you can do that. And it's so beautiful because the one time when you go there and you switch off, reception's not good, you mm. know, when you mm. really kind of experience not exactly what life was like for them there but like, you know, you still wait for the big ship to come and give you your water, mm. you've got your well. Like it's just so simple living and that's something I think that my parents have, have brought us up with. It's really quality, it's simple, it's family, like some really core values that have been instilled in me, definitely. Right. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, of the Italian aesthetic, though, like I know that you – and we'll get into your style more specifically yeah. later, but you do have quite like that understated aesthetic. Yeah. But the Italian aesthetic 
is known for being a more elaborate and more ornate. Was yeah. that kind of anything that you saw or like in terms of the way that your family dressed or the way that your house was styled? Did you have Not that sense of... no. See, like I wouldn't say my nonna or my grandma, like they're not ostentatious or eccentric at all. They're mm-hmm. very hardworking, like my nonna in particular, very hardworking, you know, on special occasions gets stoled up and she looks beautiful, but I wouldn't say that they carry that that Italian style, you yeah. know, like they're very more of that stronger woman. And, and more modest in yeah, their approach. Yeah, 100%. And that kind of filtered through into the way that, like they did things, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, so my nonna, like, up at like seven o'clock in the morning already cooking. Like, you yeah. know, like yeah. it was always about doing things. She never, yeah. yeah. Like, she loved to socialize, of course, as well. But, um, yeah, not one to get doled up every day or anything. No. Okay. So, in terms of you as a, a little person, you're this lovely little kid that's <laughs> doing all the right things. <laughs> you said you're, you, before we started, you said you're a bit shy. Were Very. You, were, and were you shy as a kid? Yeah, like definitely comfortable around my family and, and, and friends that yeah. I was very familiar with. But yeah, at first look and, and probably like through schooling and stuff, like I was always a bit modest and shy and yeah. always like in the background. Kind and of very thing. studious, I imagine. Yeah, very studious. Always like achieving for like, you know, A triple plus. Like yeah. always. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I stand it. <laughs> were, you, were you quite bookish then? Like did you? Yeah. What, what kind of books when you were growing up resonated with you as like Oh, I don't really know now. Oh, I can't tell you. I, I really don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I wouldn't say I was, like, a reader as such, but, right. like, studious probably more so. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and music influences? Did you have... Not really influences. I did start the flute. So, like, I, was, <laughs> I have a very musical grandmother, so we all kind of started on our musical journey. So, I did do the piano and flute for a little while. Yeah. Um, which was fun for a little while. <laughs> but then that was, uh, yeah, I did give that up. But, yeah. Um, How was your nonna musical? What ways? Oh, she was. She's, she's even still to this day. So this is my grandma, my mum's yeah. side. Yeah. She is like the most musical but always getting up to sing and dance. She absolutely loves it. Like yeah. she's still playing the piano. She recites everything. She doesn't read music but she just remembers and can pick up a tune. Like it's just really instilled in her. Yeah. And yeah. did she learn that? She learned that in Italy. So she was actually born here. This is oh, mum's side. Dad's okay. side, they were the ones born there. But yeah, right. mum's side, she learned that, I believe, at boarding school. Okay. Um, and just something that stayed with her and it's just her passion. She's yeah. always loved music. Like her outlet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like still to this day, she'll hear a tune and then you hear her just jamming on the piano. Like, oh, that's so nice, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And how, how lovely, like to see your grandmother do that would yeah. be beautiful. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And then she, yeah, you see her like she starts putting a few together. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's really great and is that kind of part of your celebratory culture like the music yeah i'd say so yeah yeah Yeah. but any excuse for her to get on the piano it's like even after dinner you know just to do it so so as you were kind of getting a bit older and growing up um where did you um find your sources of um i guess like aspirations for being a woman like who who were your rather than a childlike kind of gaze on on femininity where did your gaze go to for a a aspiration of a more womanly a sexier a, a version of femininity as you were kind of getting older I actually don't know do you feel like um 
those kind of the women in your family were the the places where you you kind of positioned the the kind of woman you wanted to be definitely like I definitely would say my mum yeah but when you mentioned the word sexy I was like you know what probably not that because <laughs> <laughs> like, I but then again like maybe that is the way I am because I don't associate myself with that like sexiness or that's not me so then I guess yeah it does draw down to my mum that mum's She's not like – she's feminine, of course, but yeah. she's not a real girly girl. And that's how I would pretty much identify myself. So yeah. I would say mum's been like the identity and the person in my life who it's like that's the right way or that's, that's what I – not the right way, but that's what I want to be. And so yeah. I'd say, yeah, definitely mum. She's like my best friend. So yeah. it would be hard not to say her, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and no, like following – her version of that was there other other people that you kind of admired as a as a younger woman that kind of that might have been like your mum um without sounding too sadly like no <laughs> like yeah. yeah like I've got my grandparents like yeah that's yeah. So, so you're a good student. Yeah. And I know you got good grades. Yeah. <laughs> Which means that you kind of probably had a lot of choice, you know, in terms of what what career path you had. Yeah. Um, but you chose fashion. Uh, so what was – going back to those kind of early years, what was your first kind of relationship to fashion and your – and knowing that there was a passion there for you. I've always had a passion, but I always struggled with you can have a passion, but do you need to do that as a career? Yeah. I thought very early on and when I was young, I used to think I'm not a fashion designer. I'm not going to be a fashion designer. That sounds rather silly, you know, mm. like I should be doing something else and I can always enjoy it. Like, But when I was younger, like looking back on it and it was only like until you asked, like I saw the question, I was like, oh, like – I do remember back in sixth grade when we had all these tasks, one of my tasks that I actually did was I created a little fashion label and it was like this like swimwear brand and it had like sarongs and bikinis and it was called Frangipani. And I got up in front of the class and I like I presented it and I just thought, looking back at that now, I was like, I would never have thought, you know, like 15, 16 years later that I'd actually be doing this. Like mm. it was probably a big struggle with even like going through high school, I did DT and like I, I did well in DT and, like, in fashion in particular. But I used to always think, like, oh, I don't know if that's the right choice, you know. Mm. Like, you see other fashion designers, but it's like, well, they're doing it and they're great, but that's not that's not me. Like, yeah. so, yeah, it was always a bit of a thing where I was I was unsure. So when I did get the marks to go and to study fashion design, one of my main choices to go to uni was that I also did a marketing degree because I'm like, look, if I changed my mind halfway through it, I could – transfer like I was still mm. uncertain I was like mm. this just doesn't it just doesn't I felt silly for choosing fashion yes to be honest yeah um but then once I got in there and I met all these other people that had a similar fashion because I wasn't around people who were going to do fashion design mm. like even through high school they were all doing business courses and it's like for someone who was trying to just be normal you know and like mm. you know well it when I think when you grow up in a more conservative environment, um, it almost seems like a frivolous choice. Yeah. And you think that it's um, a more superficial industry than it actually is. Well, when yeah. there's a lot of people in the industry that are very deep thinkers. 100%. Um, and, and they're they, very creative and yeah. artistic. And it's like, well, I, I don't identify like that. Like, I just have good grades. Like, you yeah. know, and I can I, – I never really saw anything. Like, even through DT, like, when everyone's like, oh, that's really good work and I'd get good marks. I'm like, yeah, but I'm just – I'm doing a project. Like, you know, and I got good marks for it. Not – 
there's something in you, you know, and mm. you can actually do it. So, so in terms of like the DT, the like the kind of sewing and pattern yeah. making, all of that kind of um, part of it, was that something that happened in your home and that you kind of grew a love yeah, for? Yeah, I was actually talking to mum about this. Mum said at the age of four she gave me a sewing machine. Oh. And I honestly do not recall this. She's like, yeah, for your doll's house you used to make little tablecloths and curtains and clothes for your dolls. And I'm like, I don't remember any <laughs> of that. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, as, as far as mum can remember, I've always been making things. Like I remember the drawing and the cutting out of the little like dresses to put on my little figures and stuff. But, yeah, like I think it's always been a part of me. But I've just always thought that was a hobby, not something you actually turn into a career. So, And in, in terms of the family pressure, like obviously they're very hardworking and earnest yeah. and, and modest. Um, was there pressure from your parents to choose something else? Or not, no, they were very supportive. Mm. They saw it in me that I could do it. But mm. they were always – mum was always like – you know, with those marks, you could be a doctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, that is the truth. And I think yeah. your parents just want to know, you know, stability, you know, for the future is always a big thing. The fashion industry is quite challenging and hard. And, um, yeah, I think to have seen me make a choice that was more stable, they probably would have felt like, okay, that's your path, you know. But with fashion, you don't see your path. There's no direct path. You've got to make it yourself, you know. So, yeah, yeah I can understand where they're coming from. And that's where my head was at as well, you know, which way do I go? But... No, we stuck to the fashion. But, like, don't get me wrong. They were always very supportive, you know, late nights during uni, like, you know, doing my projects or, you know, turning, like, downstairs into, like, a, you know, a big factory <laughs> cutting things. And, and now you're <laughs> in there. And now I've taken over another room, yeah. And they help me, don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> they're, like, loading up fabrics, helping me bring them down, trimming things, packing orders. So they're all fully supportive whether they like it or not. <laughs> you, you've recruited them into Seriously. the process. Oh, 100%. They <laughs> love it though. <laughs> so when you finished um, uni, I, I read somewhere that you thought it would be silly to start your own label. Yeah. Why did you think that was, was a silly? very amateur move, you know, like yeah. I didn't really have enough experience. Um, yeah, I just didn't see it, you know, and like because I was very shy, I think to just go out on my own and be like, okay, here's my brand and I'm great and I know everything. Like I didn't. Like I did my course. There were still a lot of things that they don't teach you in you, like the fundamentals of running a business, you know. Like, yeah, I could pattern make and I could I could I could make a shirt, but like yeah, and it's like, well, who's actually gonna make it? Where are you gonna get your fabrics from? That's they don't tell you. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? And that's what I still had to learn, you know, the fundamentals. Yeah. Um mm. so you worked for the like of the likes of Basic and Lee Matthews and yep. both um great Australian brands Amazing, for yeah. advocate, advocating ethical processes but also um, a similar aesthetic in the sense that they, they, they're they both kind of renowned for uh, an understated, clean aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, was that something that you were attracted to or do you and, – and kind of helped form your sense of self in terms of the way that you now – design your clothes and style yourself do you think like was it a chicken and egg situation like chicken or egg situation like did you get influenced by them in terms of style or did they yeah was it just something you were attracted to them because it was already a part of who you were aesthetically um, I think it was part of me but I think they also helped yeah, helped shape me as well. Just for my personal style as well and what I was turned to. I think, yeah, like I was attracted to them for certain reasons but then it also further developed what what about me and what I liked, you mm. know. Um, yeah, and then what self's come to kind of be, to be honest, yeah. Yeah. 
And um, and in terms of like the ethics of their business, what what were your main takeouts from those learning experiences? Main ethics. I built very strong relationships with the factories, so I was always face to face going out to the factories and doing right by the factory makers, like and making sure everyone was happy. It was a very hard balancing act to make sure you would get you know to for businesses to operate together it's hard with deadlines and everything but it was always yeah to always have a make sure everyone was happy and and yeah that was so that was hard but still trying to please everybody <laughs> seriously <yeah>. seriously <laughs> it, it is it like i really had that aha moment yeah. like. <laughs> um and you know i know that you quite like a neutral palette yeah but um, and that's how you would style yourself. Where do you find, though, the colour in your story comes out? If you dress yourself in a neutral way, yeah, you've got a lot of life in you. <laughs> <laughs> Where does the colour come out in your world? Does it come in a different place? Oh, our outlet is just being with the family. Like, I'm... I'm I like to joke a lot. Like, yeah. we're always having a good time. Like, with my family, my husband, like, with my parents, like... We're always laughing, yeah. like, and I think that's just my real outlet, you so know. So that's your colour. Yeah, yeah. I'd it. say so. Yeah, but I wouldn't say yeah. There's not much else. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you got married. You just referred to your husband. You got married recently, yeah. Uh, coming up to three years ago. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, your wedding dress is slight departure from how you normally dress yeah it was more elaborate uh beautifully so um what inspired your 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 choice in wedding dress um going through that process we tried on different styles and I just remember mum saying look you're gonna look back on this day and you want to be the bride in the room you don't just want to look like you're wearing a gown and be lost in the room and I I kind of held on to that and we tried on like the simpler styles you know the straight up and down just gowns or and um yeah like I could see where she was coming so we came came to a happy medium and yeah so we went for something a bit more elaborate but it was very simple it was just in a plain like silk dupion and it, and it had pockets and um, <laughs> you love it a had pocket. to have the pockets yeah <laughs> even though I, I, I didn't even put my hands in them once the yeah. whole day <laughs> but they had to be there but yeah it was it was still it was very me it was still very refined yeah. yeah oh yes absolutely refined but yeah. you, you know it had a lot more you I know, had to be the centre like of attention on that day yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how did that sit with you <laughs> was, oh was I was so <laughs> shy I think when I get nervous everything becomes like not like a joke but I'm like oh okay like I remember even saying the vows being like I do like <laughs> yeah. I couldn't be serious in the matter you know like yeah yeah I just not a fan of being the centre of attention at all yeah Michael my husband loves it so like I let him do it all okay so there's a <laughs> nice balancing yeah. there. As long as the dress is there, people can just admire that. <laughs> um, so you you obviously, as we said, we you worked for a couple of other brands, but um, I read that your mum had a car accident and yeah. that uh, led you to have to find kind of an alternative working situation. That must have been quite difficult for you at the time. Do you want to tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so... Um Mum got knocked over right. by a car and um, it just happened to me that I had recently resigned from Lee's, okay. which was meant to be. I, know I ended up being mum's like 
carer. Like, you know, well, obviously dad was there. But, you know, I, I was able to be out with mum a lot. Like every day caring for her. She wasn't – yeah, she was in a very bad way. Um, and I think at that point as well it was, okay, I'm going to take a bit of a break to look after mum. That was the plan. But whether or not from there I do my own thing or look for another job, that was like the path I was at. And I think I had one of those moments where I'm like, wow, like there's life, you know. There's not just – living and breathing and 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 putting in all this effort into a, a business where you know like if I was still working I wouldn't have been able to be there for mum and and I think I needed to find that balance for me and I think that's also then where yeah I will start to work on my own thing while I've got all this time just looking after mum so it was I think it was all meant to be like it was yeah the stars aligned and that's where it kind of came from. Like and even though that would have been like quite an unhappy, disruptive time. Very traumatic, yeah. Yeah. You still – it takes kind of some guts. And as you said before, like to, to be in the fashion industry, it's it's a tough to keep going sometimes. Yeah. And when something like that knocks you, you, you still found the resilience and the strength to not only pick yourself back up but to start your own business, which as a young woman – is quite a, a, um, a ballsy th- choice to make. Mm. Um, despite the trauma, where did you kind of find that you got that strength from? I think I had the strength. I think I always had the strength. I just didn't have the courage to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was my moment to go, look, maybe it was meant to be that it was just best for this situation. Look, I have to care for mum. I'll do it. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? I think it had to be – I don't think I'd ever would have just left and gone, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. I think – yeah, I think I need something to push me and I think that was, yeah, and, and the right the time and place. And the kind of way that you grew up being, you know, with the hard work, working ethic and uh, you think that's – something that just kind of kicked back in not not that it wasn't there but like it just was like your fallback position right yeah things are wrong just get like just get put my head down that's and it. work hard 100 percent. yeah right yeah okay yeah <laughs> so selfie studios yeah um, tell me about the inspiration for the name. Is it supposed to be ironic or <laughs> it's just self? Okay, just in, right. Yeah, style okay. A. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think so. Self Studio is a name. Do you know that was the hardest thing to kind of decide upon? Like, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know where to go. Like, what to start with, or what I wanted to identify myself with. And I think self—it's a very universal thing, and I find it quite empowering you know, to be myself, to, to everyone to be themselves and and to be yourself. Like I feel like there's something in it so that with the clothing you can identify yourself, you know. I'm, I didn't want to overthink it but I wanted it to have obviously meaning to it. I never wanted to put my name to a brand or anything, obviously, mm. being in the background. <laughs> no <laughs> names anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just think it kind of captures what the brand is. And so do you... So explain that in terms of your aesthetic of the brand then. The aesthetic is then so neutral enough that people can bring their own self to the clothes. Is yeah, that the exactly. Idea it? it's, it's like it's comfortable, it, it's a clean aesthetic where, yeah, like these are your basics in your wardrobe and you you adapt and you, and you 
dress them up the way you want and, yeah, you add your personal touch to it. Mm. Yeah. A, and there's a, a timelessness to 100%, the way that you design. 100%. Yeah, 100% timeless and classic. Like these are meant to be pieces you invest in, not pieces that you buy for one season and then never see again. Yeah. yeah. So how often are you bringing out um, a line? So there's the fairly new it, – it's, it's a struggle like because you're stepping away from what – the norm is and that's to produce this, these collections all year round and newness and people want newness and they fall into these traps. So it's, it was a bit of a struggle at the beginning to go, okay, this is my collection, I've produced it, it's out there. But then it's like they've already seen it so where do I go from here? Like how do I get it excited, get people excited about it again? So it's still in a bit of trial and error as to, to where the calendar lies but where we're at now is that there's two main collections throughout a year and then halfway through there's like a top-up, you know. So it's it's slower and they're still like the the same aesthetic of cleaner and, and whatnot but, um, yeah, so it, it's slower. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was going to say to you like – I. It, in terms of more sustainable practices in the fashion industry, um, I sometimes, you know, in these conversations that we're all having, yeah. um, the part that I think people forget or that even as somebody that's conscious of it, um, still the, the bit it's difficult to understand or overcome is that desire for the new. We've kind yeah. of been trained to want it and to get it really quickly and now we're like untraining ourselves away from that and um and yet the rest of the world isn't doing that so everything else is so fast in terms of visible kind of cues for things yeah um and i that's one of the questions i ask you how do you cater for that customer's desire to at, uh, at the same time maintaining the kind of like straight line ethic of what yeah. you're doing it's a hard juggling act like it, it is it is terribly hard you mm. know because it's going to take time for the consumer to change their mindset you know and and although they might be buying my product you know there's a lot of newness that they're still getting out everywhere else where they're attracted to and, and they want that still so it's not going to change overnight it's just i've got to be patient which is not one of my <laughs> not one of my good skills. Yeah, it's not one patient. of mine either. <laughs> I'm very impatient. Like, you know, <laughs> I want to see it happen now, yeah. you know. But no, it's just a matter of I've just got to be patient. I've got to keep um, persevering at getting the message out there and mm. getting the product in front of the right people. And that's how I plan to to see the brand grow with it's kind of like, yeah, just getting the message out there and across to more people because the brand's not going to fa- get any faster. I'm not going to produce at the demand of – of the customers because then I end up in that same cycle as, as everyone, you mm. know, which is what I'm trying to steer steer away from. And at the end of the day, by going and doing that, it's not sustainable for, for myself or if I ever had a team, like, to keep working at that speed and, and, and then, like, everything just kind of – it's not manageable and that's not the vision I have, you know. Yeah. I always wanted to keep this manageable. I wanted it to be s- slower. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, uh, we've talked about the kind of – cleanliness and um the understated kind of elegance to the way that you design um but in terms of building this collection you know you've said that it's kind of for a european resort sensibility you know things that 
you can kind of take away yeah. on a trip overseas. And obviously that <laughs> kind of came to I a <laughs> grinding halt last 100% year. Depressing. <laughs> so how did you – I mean, has that affected anything in terms of the way that you're designing now and also with COVID and – no holidays and all of that kind of – no overseas holidays at least. Um, how have you kind of rebuilt or picked the pieces back up again yeah. with everything that happened last year? Yeah, that definitely threw a spanner in the works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that was more of the vibe around that first collection. Um, and I think the latest collection, which is dropping in May, it's got more of a – non-travel vibe <laughs> no it's got we still got like that summery feel to it but it's more more wearable the color palette's a bit like more of a neutral and heavier kind of tone to it to to allow people obviously like you can wear it anytime around like, don't get me mm. wrong but it's it's more targeted to to being here and, and you know those travel pieces that if you are just traveling locally or just for work or every day it's just about feeling good in what you're wearing um and taking away that European vacation. Yeah. <laughs> it's still about that dream. There's like that that longing to go, but it was all about trying to find that balance of, look, I'm wearing this, but I don't look silly wearing this. I'm not going anywhere, you know. Yeah. It's just finding more of that balancing act. So. And also I think in terms of the way that you design and the aesthetic of your clothes, they're probably um, on point for the way people feel like they need to dress right now because – Obviously, the whole kind of loungewear thing oh went a God. bit crazy <laughs> last year. 100%. Oh. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, at the same time, people aren't necessarily back in a corporate work environment five days a week and I think um, in terms of people's wardrobes what's going to have to shift or what people will naturally shift to is a space in between because exactly. that's the way we're living our lives yeah, now that's totally true and I feel like that's what what it your kind of clothes fills would that offer gap. yeah 100%. they're relaxed they're comfortable but they look smart and that's it yeah. and they kind of apply yourself to a casual but kind of corporate but also yeah like occasional kind of wear as well you know yeah. so no I definitely feel like it kind of bridges that gap um yeah, yeah, definitely. And in terms of the conversation about, you know, um, sustainability in the industry, do you see space for recycling or upcycling in the way that you design or is that something that you've thought about, um, like re- using old fabrics or um, upcycling now. Yeah. Um, things from the past that – but lending themselves to that modern, clean aesthetic that you have. Yeah. Yeah. So we're kind of, yeah, visiting all that now. So, yeah, for the for the newest collection that I'm starting to design, starting to look at um, upcycling some old fabrics and things. So that'll be really exciting. I'm looking forward to that. The question I like to end our interviews in is, well, how do you see yourself dressing when you're um, your grandmother's age? Like when you're 70, how, do you, how would you like to see yourself or think of yourself? I don't know what to expect. I think... I could see myself wearing my shirt still. <laughs> yeah. Always in a collared shirt for sure. Yeah. And sneakers. Sneakers. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. all I can really – yeah. It'll be an interesting one, I think. Is that how your grandmother dresses now? Yeah. I don't – no, not necessarily. Like, she's in her jeans and tees. Yeah, she's pretty trendy, actually. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, no, I think I'll stick to shirts possibly. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. 70 so far away. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Alana, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you. That was good. (laughs) Bye.
Self Studios was born out of a desire to make things better in more ways than one. Whether it be as a response to a family accident or a desire to slow down the fashion cycle, Alana has built her fashion label on a premise of hard work, quality craftsmanship and empowering self-expression in others. And while Alana was unsure of her path and doesn't like to make herself the centre of the story, her simply elegant style, inherited from the strong women in her life, sits firmly at the core of the brand. Fashion may have felt a little frivolous at some point to Alana, but it's her style to bring a seriously considerate product to the industry that encourages best practice in others and works towards defining a crisp, clear sense of self. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed hearing this style story, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast and give it a rating to help other like-minded listeners find these stylish stories.